Welcome to 108 Mindfully Made, the podcast. My name is Samantha. I'm an evidential spirit medium, mindfulness enthusiast, and registered nurse. If you're looking for a place to explore spirituality from a grounded and rooted perspective, this podcast is for you. So grab a cup of tea, your meditation cushion, sit back, relax, because it's about to get real. No bullshit here. And let's get started. Hi, friends. It's been a while since I've recorded a podcast, and the truth is that I haven't really felt like I've had the ability to articulate my words, not just because I had going through something crazy, but also COVID brain fog is fucking real. (laughs) Um, You'll even find I had to really edit this down because I found myself in so many spots where I couldn't find words, which I guess is it's an actual side effect of COVID, and it's slowly getting better, but... Um, it's funny too, because this whole podcast is really about using your voice to speak up against injustices and speak out against things that you see happening that you know are innately wrong or enabling really just dangerous rhetoric. And that's what this podcast is about. So yeah, it wasn't until recently that I felt like I could actually speak out against a lot of the things that I was experiencing and feeling over the course of the last year uh, with the way the collective had been shifting and the way that things have been moving. And then I joined this other social media platform and I saw the things I saw, you, you like they were astounding. I couldn't wrap my head around a lot of it. And I felt like there was so much misinformation and disinformation floating around that people were just consuming at face value. It was actually really terrifying. So, and we get into that a little bit in this podcast. So you guys will find out how Hope and I met, but um, my guest on this podcast is Hope Carpenter. She's another evidential spirit medium. She actually lives right here in the San Diego area. How our paths have not crossed I is beyond me, but clearly divine timing is a thing because I found her in the most perfect time. And I really did find her when I was in a dark place. I was feeling very alone. I felt very much like I was the only person who felt this way and I was speaking out against it or speaking to it. And I was receiving so much backlash that it was really overwhelming and then I found her and to find someone who also is like-minded does the same work as you do comes from that same grounded and rooted place and their spirituality was really 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 she was like a lifeboat I hang I hung on to her for dear life so (laughs) so I'm really excited to have gotten to sit down with her and have this really deep conversation that I think more people need to be having. Um, This is a year of sharpening your discernment, sharpening your intuition, questioning everything. Don't take things at face value, especially now in the time of disinformation and misinformation. It's so very, very important. So with that being said, I'm not going to continue to ramble on, but I just want to say thank you guys for listening. If you're listening and if you find that this resonates, you know, Absolutely. If you find yourself triggered or you feel like it's too much, of course, protect your mental health. Turn it off. What her and I talk about is our, this is our truth right now where we are. And 
it may not be for everyone and that's fine. Everyone is in different spots in their own path and development. Uh, this is just where we are right now and we do we do talk about that. So with that being said, I'm going to just let you guys get to the conversation and if you guys have questions about anything like I said, we are going to talk about some heavier topics. We do touch on cults, dynamics, toxic positivity, all the things. So uh, please feel free to reach out to either of us. If you are struggling with any of these concepts or you want to know more, we're more than happy to help. So yeah, with that, without further ado, we'll get right to it. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll talk to you guys very soon. It took me a while to be able to vocalize those feelings because I think for a lot of us, it is so personal. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, somebody that like believes that, so you don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah. Um, But then I just reached this point where I was like, no, this is like really messed up and and people need to start saying something about it. So it's not enabling them, you know? Yeah, absolutely um the 5d 3d harmful like how that rhetoric has just ripped across the community kind of Mm -hmm. touching on that and maybe sort of talking about your experience and my experience with the wrath of the five when I was dying when you were like oh the wrath of the 5d community the fact (laughs) and I even have to like put those words together I know it's (laughs) like it's just like the irony is just crazy yeah yeah oh wow yeah I'm just so happy to connect with you. I wore pink because I, (laughs) I know that that's like your, your signet, you have this whole, you've just styled your, the way you put your content is so like put together and so easy on the eyes. And I just love it. It totally creates like this feeling when you will like go on your Instagram or even your TikToks. It's just like, oh, it's like I'm held, but then it's like, oh, she's spitting so much damn truth. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the crazy thing because, you know, my Instagram is, I don't know if you work with like archetypes at all, but my Instagram is very like nurturing and, um, you know, like I'll, I'll bring in the stage archetype a little bit, like the wisdom, et cetera. And then my TikTok is like, I just decided to let the sacred rebel out and be like, you know, New Year's Day, basically, I was like, fuck it, I might as well just say whatever the fuck I want, who cares, like, my TikTok wasn't growing, it's like, who gives a shit, and then it was like, people started paying attention, you know, and I think that's how TikTok works, is that it's very, you never know when something's gonna, it's always the video of, like, like you said, I think you posted something, like, oh, yeah, you know, how to go viral on TikTok, no makeup, bad hair, and yeah. like in a place of like heavy emotion <laughs> yeah exactly just say something without really thinking about it and then you know people will will hear it for sure <laughs> yeah so it's definitely um definitely been an interesting journey but I'm so grateful to have found you because oh, I was in it I was feeling it I posted something about spiritual bypassing and the 5d ascension theory and how it was I was in that place emotionally it was like 11 o'clock at night I had no makeup on and I was just speaking from an emotional place and mm. not even really paying attention to my language and the next thing I know I wake up in the morning and my they had like 200 or 300 comments <gasps> and it had like <laughs> like I think, I think the video was at like, I think at the time it was, it was, it was substantial amount of likes. It was like, you know, up to like a thousand likes or something when I woke Mm -hmm. up and I went, Oh my God, what did I do? Like, 
Yeah. It was a two part <laughs> video. The first part was like, let's break down spiritual bypassing. What is it? How to know what you're doing? Yeah. The second video was like, here's an example. And it was like, of course I went to 5d. Yeah. Yeah. People have just really sort of taken that and turned it into this, you know, ego costume thing, which is, we can talk about that more, but it's, it's just an interesting thing to witness because if you try to critique it, it's like, you're taking a a toy away from a toddler. (laughs) Like, no. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So So I'm really excited because I have an incredible guest here today that she has been um, a light in the dark for me. Um, I've been, as I've been exploring these deeper aspects of my own spirituality, dismantling my own beliefs around the new age and spirituality uh, over the last year, I have definitely had some major realizations. And I know that it's not been an easy journey. And it's felt quite isolating and lonely, because I haven't felt like I've had someone to talk about it. So when I found her, and I found that she was feeling the same way I was through her content on social media, I was so excited. And I just instantly felt like we were kindred. I commented, I said, can we be friends? <laughs> so I have with me today, her name is Hope Carpenter. So hello, Hope. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Hope. I'm a psychic medium, an evidential psychic medium. I'm also uh, a Reiki healer. So I've got some different skills going on. And my my background for the last nine or 10 years has been teaching yoga in the spiritual community in San Diego. So I've been a little bit involved with, with all different sort of aspects of spirituality in San Diego and seeing all different patterns and trends and things. And I love how you brought up um, your spiritual journey over the last year. And it feels like we've been doing a little bit of shadow work, which is really exciting, sort of getting meta about our spirituality and looking into the ways in which it might not always be love and light. Yeah. And it's definitely, I think that part of the big realization I had this past year was really honoring that place of, you know, being in the isness of it all, like the darkness, the light holding it all in one container. Mm -hmm. And it's been really challenging to do that, especially when I noticed how much programming I had from, not just from new age spirituality, but I think just, you know, if you look at white, you know, white supremacy and, and religion and perfectionism, I've been trying to dismantle that too. So it's like, we've really been in it in 2020. And yeah, now Mm -hmm. we're coming to a place where I think we can actually start to vocalize what we- Exactly. You know, it's so interesting because 2020 was the year where a lot of us spiritual people said like, oh, this is about clear vision, 2020 vision, right? So we started to see things really clearly in 2020. And for me, 2021 is about uh, being able to speak, speak your truth. So taking what you were able to witness and now sort of bringing it into the world and illuminating everything that we've been able to see. feels like 2020 was a big tower moment for all the tarot readers out there, the tower card. There's a sense of uh, collapsing institutions and, um, you know, these old power structures all starting to fall away which was really exciting, but also a grief process, to be honest, where a lot of wisdom traditions, a lot of um, leaders of spiritual movements were sort of falling from grace. And that's not always easy. So being able to look at things clearly was, was quite painful at times. Yeah, it absolutely was. And I'm, 
I felt like it was even harder too, because we were doing this from a space of where we don't have the normal things that we could normally use to maybe diffuse or distract ourselves for a bit to sort of take the, the, take maybe some of the weight off, you know, with, with the pandemic. And that was really, I think made it extra challenging, especially those like us who are like, you know, we already had a really solid spiritual practice and we all Mm -hmm. had like this core sort of groups that we were connected to that you can't even physically be with them anymore. So you don't even, it's not even like you have that consistent sounding board to kind of bounce things off of. So it was just such a mind fuck of a year. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. One of my main things before the pandemic was uh, guiding women's circles and facilitating those sort of group healing experiences. And so not being able to be in those group spaces really changed the conversations that were happening. I feel like some people got really sort of vocal about their more um, controversial opinions and it made it clearer for some of us to see like, wow, that actually really doesn't resonate with me. And Mm -hmm. it sort of just changed the, uh, the way that we're able to communicate and the way that we see community, honestly. Yeah. I honestly cannot wait till we can actually resume these types of environments Mm -hmm. safely Um, and I think it's going to be a big a a long time but I I do have to say um, one thing that I noticed like some of the things that we were going to dive into today are are quite heavy so we want to just kind of maybe put a trigger warning at the beginning of Mm -hmm. this so because we're going to talk about some stuff that may make people uncomfortable um, or not Um, (laughs) we there may be some resonance with what we say and if that if that's that if there is, that's wonderful. If not, we're not here to change the, just like with our work, you know, being psychic spirit mediums, we're never here to change anybody or make a skeptic into a believer. That's not our job. That's not why we do what we do. And same thing with when we start to speak our truth, it's our way of putting what is true for us out into the world right now. And we're essentially claiming our spot in this moment in time with, with how we feel and putting it out there in a way that is authentic and true. So if, you know, if it resonates great, if it doesn't, that's okay. You you leave it. Everyone's got their own sort of journey to take. But I think what we really want to do is raise awareness about some of these, these patterns that we've seen play out that can lead people down unsuspectingly into some darker places that could be very dangerous. Um, And I think this is true for all spirituality in general, the things that we kind of are going to talk about today, like discernment, skepticism, how to do research are important all the time, but they're Mm -hmm. so important right now, given the culture with which we're living in. So, so yeah, I mean, as far as one thing I wanted to kind of ask, so with regards to COVID um, in the beginning, did you feel like when it came time for us to sort of go into this lockdown space, um, what were some of the things you were seeing or the responses by the, the spiritual community on, you know, within, from your perspective of how people were responding to COVID initially? What did you notice? What would you say was probably the biggest thing you took notice of? Mm, interesting. I mean, right away, there's a, a bit of a split between people who, um, you know, would, listen to what was being asked and I I feel like I don't know what your experience was in terms of like employment and and career and working on stuff but I was working full-time at a yoga studio right when you know COVID was happening 
and it took them longer than maybe it should have to close down. And so there's definitely this, um, this feeling among the teachers of like, well, you guys should have closed already. What's, what's going on here. And then finally it's like, they, they had to wait till the absolute last moment to close. So, you know, there's, there's that frustration among, among those people. And then there's this, this other sort of section of people who never wanted anything to close down, who wanted, it's just sort of a very like capitalist, like let's just keep things going. Whereas for me, it seemed like a, a golden opportunity to, to completely restructure our society, or it just seemed like it was sort of this this, um, this sign from nature, honestly, that we could do things differently. And let's just let's just take a break and and heal through this and see what comes next. But not this clinging to, I don't know. Like I was reading that half of the um, the tweets on Twitter that were posted where people were hashtagging. Um, open up America or whatever, were actually posted by bots. So, you know, the, the whole conversation is so corrupted to where you don't actually know, you know, how many people feel a certain way because there's so many sort of disinformation tactics, tactics happening. Yeah. And that brings us to a really good point when we talk about disinformation, because we found that, especially we learned in 2020, that disinformation and misinformation travels like 600 times faster than like true information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that this has been like a long time coming with the buildup over the last four years with that last administration that we saw there was a lot of distrust and a lot of seeds planted about distrust in the media. You look at you look at how social media algorithms work and how all of that works. And the next thing you know, you're being fed all of this different information from all these different sources to basically support one person's agenda and they know what you're, what's going to attract you to feed your biases. And the next thing you know, you've got this like perpetual cycle. Right. The algorithm. Okay. So yeah, I mean, just being in these, these echo chambers, knowing that these social media platforms don't actually have a specific agenda, but they just sort of filter you into exactly what they know you're going to consume is actually really dangerous. You know, of course I don't want to see, um, things that I don't necessarily agree with myself all the time, but to separate people feels like it just feels dangerous. It feels like a tinderbox. It feels like, you know, it could, it could become explosive if if people get super radicalized. Yeah. And that's what I think we started to, well, I feel like that's exactly how things ended up, you know, looking at what happened, you know, with the Capitol, the insurrection and if you look at where a lot of those people were coming from with regards to what they have been being fed for the last six months. And it's just, it's that, it's that, it's like the perfect storm. You've got people sitting at home mm-hmm. needing to have answers, upset because things are hard and we want some semblance of control. So I think that we're willing to do whatever it takes to feel like we have a sense of control. And sometimes those things that are put in front of us that are, coming from these sources, you know, like, like QAnon and things of that nature, when they're placed in front of people like that, it's not that they're, it's not that I don't think that we should classify those people as like, I saw something today that was talking about like how saying that those people were crazy is something we have to stop doing or has to stop Mm -hmm. being done. Mm -hmm. 
because yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like, you know, most people go into these, um, most people go into things like QAnon with good intentions. I truly believe that. And the, you know, it's a political cult. So this cult has figured out ways to really hook people into it. And they'll take something really legitimate, like your, your fear over your children, right? That's every parent's major fears. Oh my God, somebody's going to take my child away. And they, they take you in with that. And then once they have you with the, oh, well, that's totally reasonable. I don't want this fear, et cetera, to happen. Um, they hit you with the solution. And it's the solution that's always the completely out of the blue, like super weird thing. So, you know, it's like bringing you in with the emotion and then hitting you with the thing that I feel like most um, QAnon people are, are hit with that very slowly. That people don't just come right away saying like, oh, well, Trump is sort of saving the world. It, it's more slow, right? It's like they, they're brought into it more slowly than that. Yeah, there was, um, I think, a map that was circulating on some social media platforms that basically was very, it listed basically everything that could potentially be considered some sort of conspiracy, there could be some sort of conspiratory mm -hmm. element to it. And it, it started out really basic stuff, you know, like meditation, astral travel, and then it just eventually just starts feeding all of these things. You get deeper and deeper and deeper, and it just kind of entices people to explore these alternative theories or these conspiracy theories, um, you know, just purely out of curiosity. And the next thing you know, you're, you're so far down the rabbit hole. You right. know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because it's, it's become so entangled with everything spirituality that you get to a point where, you know, I feel like I can tell in, in three seconds when I'm talking to somebody and they tell me that they're like a 5d star seed. I already know that they believe all these other things too, which are not the same thing at all. So, and you know, I've, I've gotten this critique before when I'm sort of standing up to these uh, cultish beliefs, well, you're a psychic medium. So how can you not believe in this? But you know, who are you to say that this isn't true? It's either all true or nothing mm. is true. They're just, there's no discernment present. Yeah. And I've, I've wrestled with that too, because there was a lot of things that I initially sort of brought into my mediumship, a lot of sort of beliefs that I was kind of, I'm going to say I was indoctrinated in the new age, uh, mm -hmm. but some concepts that were sort of watered down, oversimplified concepts of other really sort of deeper teachings that are more mm -hmm. anchored and rooted in different spiritual traditions that have been colonized, co-opted, whatever you want to call it by the new age. Mm -hmm. And I was applying some of those things sort of initially when I first started exploring mediumship, those concepts. And the more and more I did my development, the more and more I worked with the spirit world, and I'm sure you found this too, the less and less I realized, I mean, I, I, I realized the less and less I knew. <laughs> like the Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's such a beautiful yet difficult thing to explain, which is that the more that you actually dive into spirituality or mediumship, the more it's all a big mystery. And that's a beautiful part. I mean, we know as evidential mediums that, you know, there's evidence of spirit communication and, and we know we're in contact with these other realms. But once people get these calcified beliefs around, you know, everything is like this and here's all these different dimensions and this is how everything works. Like when somebody tells me they definitively know what happens in the afterlife and how everything works with the soul, 
that's when I start to question, you know, how did you arrive at that, at that truth? Because for me, it's questioning is the spiritual path. That's what it is. Curiosity is deeply spiritual and skepticism is one of my favorite tools. Yeah. It's probably the most important tool. Discernment and intuition are the greatest tools that we have. And I think it is important to recognize that everybody's sort of path is different and how they, they arrive at, you know, where they end up spiritually is, you know, it's up, it's up to them. And I think it's just one of those things when you're, I think it really does come down. I'm grateful because I had such a wonderful mentor who really kept me grounded. You know, my mentor was, you know, like he said, he was, comes from Arthur Finley, taught at Arthur Finley. So, so it's very much like very rooted in traditional, <laughs> like if I'm never going to give credit to the spirit world until I can fully discern that there's not like another logical explanation for things. Whereas, exactly. Yeah. It's like skeptical mediumship to me is the most respectable form of, <laughs> of any sort of communication yeah. with the other side. I'm like, did you at least, you know, find that no other possible explanations were present before you decided that this was definitely spirit? That's important to me. It's very important to me as well. And one thing that I noticed that was happening within the new age community, I kept seeing a lot of like, there's a lot of this attribution of things to spirit, to source at the drop of a hat. And I'm like, wait, no, like, where's the discernment? Like, like, and then they think. They, they, they maybe take that on as truth or whatever, because they look at you because you have, you know, they think you have some sort of answers because maybe you're a little yeah. bit further along the path than you, you know, than they are. Then I think there's a responsibility there to share like, Hey, I don't have all the answers and, and, you know, figure, find out for yourself. Like, and I think that that's important to, to come back to because I, that sort of, I don't want to call it blind faith, but that sort of looking, seeking outside validation for the answers to something. Yeah. Is where I, mean, I think, I think a lot of that's, this the, went that's the hard thing about social media is that in order to get a lot of views and a lot of clout, sometimes you do have to say really sensationalistic things and to, you know, to show up as the voice of reason and say like, Hey, sometimes it's just this, or sometimes, you know, to be more tempered doesn't have the same sort of like explosive viral quality. And when we created an algorithm that just sort of favors people that say really out there shit, then obviously that's what more people see. So I feel like I, you know, when I got to TikTok, for example, there was already so much like fear-based stuff and so much cultish stuff entrenched in the community that calling it out seemed like it just was coming out of nowhere for people. They're like, well, why would you doubt this? This is like spirituality. This is what spirituality is. But, you know, offline, it's, it's not like that at all. So it's just a really interesting thing to see how social media has influenced the spiritual path for people. Yeah, it, it really has been so eye-opening um, getting on those other platforms other than Instagram. Because Instagram, I definitely feel like you're kind of like, when it comes to their algorithms, you're put in front of your audience. So those are people yeah. who are like following you, but you get on a place like our platform, like TikTok, you've got to be prepared for your content to be viewed by hundreds of, if not, you know, millions of people. And yeah. <laughs> you got to mm. be open to step into that space and hold that down and stand behind what you put out there 100%. So 
And I don't think that a lot of people realize that. So when you go to call some of this stuff out, it's almost like they're like, wait, what? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Or, you know, what's interesting about TikTok specifically is that I feel like a lot of people when we're scrolling and I'll admit to this myself, we're in our, our woundedness rather than our wholeness. So a lot of people are sort of like looking for things to, to react to, you know, you might be scrolling when you're stressed out and you know, you're your algorithm is going to feed you things that are going to get a reaction so that you keep watching. So you stay on the, on the platform longer and consume content longer. And so they'll send you things that they know are going to sort of trigger you. And then when people are in the stressed out triggered state, it's really easy for them to then take your video and stitch it, duet it, whatever. You know, recently when I called out the, the cult vibes of spirituality, you know, people were screenshotting my content and then sort of bullying me over it, which is like, we could have just had a conversation. And I feel like if we actually sat down and talked for long enough, some of these concepts could have been disentangled and we could have said like, okay, well, we're going to disagree about these things, but at the heart of it, we all want the same thing, which is for people to be aware. So, well, when I found your video, your video went by, was that the video that just kind of like kind of catapulted you like you noticed your follower count come up after that when you called out those words because so <laughs> you know it was there was a couple videos before that so it was all sort of in the same vein but the first one that kind of really went viral was um calling out the the ego of spirituality spiritual narcissism and how you know people were saying that once they woke up as a spiritual person, they started to see how like not spiritual people were just very soulless. And I find that to be very lacking in empathy and, you know, shockingly (laughs) lacking in (laughs) compassion. And so that was kind of the first thing that I called out, but it it all sort of fits into place with each other. The, the words video was words like, um, that are sort of dog whistles for QAnon, which are the great awakening words like that. When you hear that, you just know that's how you know that you're connecting with somebody that's that's into QAnon stuff when they're talking about words like that, especially like reptilian agenda and the obsession over aliens, which like aliens are cool. I mean, we can we can admit that aliens are cool. But when people are only talking about aliens and channeling aliens, it means that they're completely disengaged from Earth and what it means to be a human being and what it means to to be alive at this time. It's like and it's it's used for like these weird white nationalist agendas, which to me is just it's it's worth sort of separating ourselves <laughs> from starseeds just because that's present, right? Yeah. And that was the thing I was going to say is that I noticed that like, so a lot of the terms that they were using that they've sort of co-opted were terms that were already being utilized within the spiritual community beforehand. And they became these dog whistles, like you said. And I think that was what really scared me because I could see people maybe unknowingly using this type of language. And it makes you realize how important language is. Um, and not recognizing that it could be connected to pastel Q. And then- right, exactly. Because you don't know. I mean, I used that term for a while in 2020 because, like I said, I really felt like, you know, with COVID and everything happening, it was this opportunity to examine our, um, our patterns as 
in our human culture and, and just say like, this isn't working, let's try something different. So for me, that was a great awakening opportunity, mm-hmm. but then sort of seeing how it was corrupted and seeing how people took it in this very strange direction, which is very anti-Semitic, very racist and very, um, yeah, pro-Trump to be honest, uh, very bizarre. There, there's a need to separate ourselves from terms that have been co-opted or that have been corrupted. It's sort of like the swastika. Like, yeah, it, it had an original meaning in, in Hinduism, but you can't use it saying this is the meaning that I intend because everyone in your culture knows that it's been corrupted. So it's for me, these words are the same thing. You just, you can't tolerate intolerance. You have to say, nope, I'm, I'm not that. This is not what I'm going to be doing right now. And I think one of the biggest problems that we ran into with that is that we saw a lot of people or we're still seeing people even who have these huge followings. Um, you know, a lot of people new to the spiritual path will listen to these sort of channelers mm-hmm. and things like that on YouTube and Instagram and what they say. And I've listened to some of the things that they say and the way that they speak metaphorically about things. I mean, it's QAnon jargon to the max, but I know that because I know, I know what QAnon is. And so I can point it out. But the point, the problem is, is a lot of people don't realize it and they don't realize how they're playing into it. They give you just enough things that are true or resonant before they hit you with the weird shit, you know, and I think one of the main pieces about the starseed culture is that they tell you that you're special, that you have a purpose, that you're on earth for a reason. And that the reason you feel like you don't belong on earth is because you're actually an alien, not that capitalism has driven this extreme wedge between people and we feel isolated. So they, they take out like the, the real reason behind things and they insert this illogical nonsense, but you know, when it, in spirituality, we're basically taught to not judge things or question things just to accept everything at face value with an open heart. And then it gets to this point where you've just accepted something that makes no fucking sense. That's such a huge point because so the, the concepts in like new age spirituality will take you to that place of like oversimplifying the Buddhist mind, which is like have a neutral mind. You know, mm-hmm. find that equanimity, find that place. That's sort right. of like the overarching theme, right? We walk the middle path. But that is so watered down and it's so oversimplified that yeah. that's it's dangerous because if you are just promoting neutrality and you, you feel like, okay, well, in order for me to truly have reached this level and plus on top of it, we put the hierarchy within there, like, oh, I have to reach this place and for me to be considered successful on my spiritual path which guys you're not successful on your spiritual path you're a spiritual being just by existing like we know this there's no no, on your path but there's no there's nowhere to go destination (laughs) yeah you're just here neutrality is an interesting word because you know I'm, i'm german so growing up i heard a lot about the holocaust and Um, Eli Weasel said at one point, you know, in a situation of injustice, if you choose neutrality, you're siding with the oppressor. So, you know, for me, seeing what German culture was like in the 40s, and how there wasn't really enough resistance, there's a sense of like, well, why would you want to stay neutral? If 
everything in your body and your heart is telling you, you know, if you have compassion, you're going to stand up for this. You know, Gandhi wasn't neutral. There's Jesus Christ wasn't neutral. There's this sense of like being spiritual is being outspoken. Yeah, there absolutely. And I think that that's a lot of these new age ways of being are very much rooted in white supremacy. They're rooted in privilege. They're root, they take, you know, a lot of the, it's all focused on me, 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 me. It's all about yeah, self-improvement individualistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, radical individualism is not good for the collective whole. Yes, we need to work on ourselves. Yes, we need to be more compassionate people and that does take inner work. However, you have to recognize the interdependence of the society with which you're existing. And I think that that goes out the window. That's why I, you know, sort of question why this specific, uh, you know, watered down brand of spirituality has become so popular because it exactly reflects and mirrors the capitalistic mindset. And, you know, if you know me, like I'm pretty much a spiritual leftist and there's just the sense of like what we're being taught is basically like pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You're on your own. It's all about you. You know, it's like, we're not getting a lot of the more traditional earth-based spiritualities or wisdom traditions, which are about community and the village and making sure that everybody rises together, you know? It felt like, especially when the whole, the, they talked about what is it, the great conjunction on the 21st of December yeah. was happening, <laughs> you know, yeah. everyone like woke up and, oh, I'm, I'm in 5D, you know? <laughs> yeah, and everyone else is just left behind, like the rapture, like, you know, <laughs> all the bad people stay in 3d and they're gonna like have some horrible tragedy happen and everyone who made it to 5d is gonna be in utopia it's like come on (laughs) i just couldn't get over some of the things i was saying but the polarization that was continuing to unfold because of that that instilled rhetoric being kind of perpetuated that us versus them for um a culture that is supposed to be rooted in community and collectiveness and to now all of a sudden be like taking this sort of like well they're not awake or they're not on the same level as me so therefore like everything I say to them is going to sound crazy they're not going to hear me that to me just seems so I think that was where I lost it I was like I'm so I don't even know how to respond to this (laughs) exactly yeah the idea that people who are talking about reaching a level of consciousness that's all about oneness and compassion and just turn around and sort of condemn other people that they feel aren't awake to suffering means that they don't understand what oneness actually is. Like you're not, you're just thinking dualistically, like, you know, without being aware of it. It's it's really interesting. And in calling that out, it's like, I would get people in my comments, even on Instagram saying things like, well, just wait, December 21st, something really bad's going to happen to all the people that aren't, you know, good enough in some way and nothing happened. And it feels like that whole discourse sort of like fizzled out. Yeah. And I think that that goes along with talking about these sort of failed. So the end of days rhetoric, right? I felt like the 3D, mm-hmm. 5D was very much kind of tied to this prophetic end of days. Like we talked about before, like revelations, rapture sort of rhetoric wrapped with this Mm -hmm. new age packaging and one thing that I I kind of felt like I noticed was that oh my god I totally lost my I'm like what happened to my brain (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh brain fog is real I know I'm, I'm spacing right now too 
um, 5D rapture, revelations, ascension, being left behind. Well, maybe that's why I'm dissociating because I'm like, oh my God, my childhood wounds. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you want to speak to that? Like how oh, that's yeah. related to Christianity? And yeah. So when we talk about the 3D, 5D concept, I feel like it is important to draw these parallels to the end of days prophecies that were so prevalent mm-hmm. in the evangelical Christian realms, just in Christianity in general, Gnosticism, which was that book of revelations where the rapture comes, the second coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ and everyone is a judgment. And those who are, who have done the work or, you know, are follow him, you know, I don't even really remember it because it literally have so much wounding around it as a child growing up um, Catholic. I used to kind of intersect between like Catholicism and then we would go to like these other like kind of Christian churches mm-hmm. So there was a lot of blending about like the end of days talk was something that always came up and just scared me so bad when I was very little because the thought of being left behind or yeah. mm-hmm. played and, and on so not many knowing things. when it's coming because it's a yeah. mystery. Yeah. Yeah. I used to dream about that. I used to have nightmares about like the black helicopters coming and hearing all these really horrible stories, stories mm-hmm. to scare you into being good essentially that's how I remember it as a child and yeah yeah, mm -hmm. definitely pretty pretty traumatic because it plays into that abandonment wound that I already had as a child Mm. that we all carry some sort of you know when we start looking at our inner child and I felt that so strongly start to really arise in me especially as this year when they started talking about the ascension theory and I didn't even realize that that was where it was coming from but I was like why do I feel really uneasy about this what is this that's coming up for me and then well, I realized and it was, it. It was so obvious looking back at it because they would talk about like the 144,000 like workers that were chosen. Like these were the chosen people. And that's the 12 tri- tribes of Israel, right? That's the number from Revelations. Apparently it's from Jewish mysticism as well, but the, it's obviously from the same part of the world, this very old sort of idea that there's this many people who are going to be instrumental in this particular moment. But um, yeah, just thinking about us having what, 7 billion humans alive right now, like, there, okay, there's only 144,000 people that are sort of worthy of um, helping with this transition to, to 5D. It just, yeah, the whole thing is just a huge red flag. Yeah, it kind of baffled me too, because when you think about most people who kind of enter this type of spirituality or the spiritual community, most people are recovering from old wounds with organized religion. Um, yeah. So they're coming to spirituality sort of with these sort of things that they wanted to leave behind, looking for a different answer to still be spiritual or have look for some sort of, you know, I don't want to say direction, but, you know, just kind of coming to it with that from that place. And I think when you recognize that that's where this is sort of stemming from, it's, 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 it's almost like re-traumatizing in a way, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And I, I know there's been some discourse about how easy it was for ex-evangelicals to fall into QAnon because it was all very familiar and it was very comforting. And then same thing with people that left, you know, these more um, constrictive religious sects and got into new age spirituality, did, not realizing that these types of behaviors are actually a red flag for most people to them. It's just very like, Oh, well, this is, 
you know, this is how the religion was. So this is how spirituality must be as well. When you think about the prophecy of it, of the end of days, really, so to speak, that, that was kind of happening. And then you see the insurrection at the Capitol. And then there was all this talk about, you know, you know, the second coming, it's going to happen on the 20th, you know, it's all, it's all going to happen on the inauguration and nothing happened. It's like, okay, well that, that right there is your failed prophecy for those in, in the group or who are kind of entrenched in it. But did that, did that shift anything? Did that, I I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, you know, when I was in school, I actually studied this, um, the history of millenarian movements, which is why the whole thing was suspect to me in the first place. But So this is what happens when you have a cult leader, it's usually a charismatic cult leader, uh, finds a specific date for the end of the world. It's been happening for at least a thousand years. Um, A bunch of people who are sort of drawn to that concept, right? All of their problems being miraculously solved without them having to put any effort into it. They start to flock to that particular leader and they sort of place all of their trust and all of their valuables into them being right with this prediction they're invariably going to be wrong. And so after they're wrong, you know, some people say, okay, this was bullshit all along. I'm no longer going to fall for anything like this again. And then they feel really bad about themselves. There's other people who can't deal with that ego wound that continue to latch on to that person or that theory, no matter what, because the person will say, oh, oops, I miscalculated or um, the reptilians fucked it up and now it's going to be on this day instead. So they, they come up with some sort of, you know, new day. And then they have the true believers that will, to the ends of the earth, will believe whatever they say, because they can't deal with the fact that they were wrong. Because that's, I mean, it's painful. You know, it's, it's hard for your ego to admit like, wow, okay, um, I, I put all my faith in this and it didn't pan out. What does that say about me? Yeah. And I think that that's, how do you, how do you rectify that? Or how do you meet someone who's in that place that is trying? Cause I mean, it, I think that that's the most important thing now is like those who are going to break free from this and recognize that, that, you know, it's time for them to break away from it. They need to be met with compassion because they're either going to, they're either going to leave or they're going to double down. Like you said. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and You hear some people say, okay, if you have somebody who's sort of teetering on the edge of QAnon and they don't know what to believe anymore, you know, meet them with compassion because there is the chance that they will resort to violence because there's always these sort of like terrorist undertones um, in in their their reasoning. Um, But I feel like the important thing there is to note that your mental health comes first and your well-being comes first. And if um, sort of pandering to somebody who has said nothing but hateful things for like a year. Um, if that doesn't feel okay, it's all right to, to go no contact, you yeah. know, to say like, well, um, I don't have anything nice to say, so I'm not going <laughs> to say anything at all. And, you know, to have that separation, I think that's important to remember that you don't have to hold space for somebody who has, um, who has hurt you. I think it's amazing that you were able to actually like get some formal study about this because most people don't understand how cults work. They don't. And most people don't realize they're in a cult until they're, they're so far indoctrinated or they're so far in it that by the time they recognize that this has happened, that getting out seems impossible because of the shame linked to it, because of the fear that they may feel 
the ostracization that, you know, they've built so much around it a lot of the time and they've got so much invested that the thought either financially, um, you know, if it's, you know, financially or spiritually, personally, personal development, anything like that. I, I, I've been watching a lot of those. I, I spent the summer, I feel like watching like all of the cult documentaries on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a huge part of it is that a cult by nature will strip you of your identity and who you are. And then they give you this new sort of generic cult identity. And so a lot of people, when they're faced with leaving a cult, there's like a depersonalization of like, who am I without this? This is all I have left. So, you know, what, what I've heard about accepting people back into your life after they've gone through a cult is remind them of who they are, you know, your happy memories and the things that they love to do before the cult, sort of keep it to that surface level conversation. Don't try to argue logically and don't try to make them see your way of looking at the world, but just sort of, um, you know, go back to that inner child of them and who they actually are. Because if somebody's falling for a cult, it means that they're deeply disenfranchised and they're lost. They're in a lot of pain. And so like going back to who, what you see in them and, and how you value them, I feel like that's the most compassionate thing you can do. If you have the presence and the capacity for that. It's all about the bandwidth and <laughs> making sure you have the mental capability to hold space always. And yeah. <clears throat> I feel like sometimes even with the new age sort of ways of thinking, one of the things that I noticed was there was a lot of like, because it's so focused on the individual, there was a lot of blaming that goes on within your spiritual ego that blames you for things unmanifest, or if you couldn't do it, then it's on you. That sort Mm -hmm. of way of thinking because, oh, you do hold all the power. It's all within you. If you're not doing it, then maybe you haven't you haven't done enough healing or you haven't put the, you haven't had the right vibes or you haven't matched the frequency, like all of this sort of right. language exactly. of yeah. the victim blaming the, you created, you, you created this, you created your reality, which is another, you know, the hyper individualistic thinking is very, it's victim blaming first of all. And mm-hmm. then it's also, it forgets to take into account the structural barriers. Like when people say like, Oh, well, you know, racism isn't real because you create your reality. And so if you just doesn't, don't believe that it exists, it won't be there. Is But <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. true. If you've grown up, you know, systematically disadvantaged because of the color of your skin and because of your ancestry, those things are very real. Yeah. And I think to, to discredit them, gaslighting is such a huge piece of that. There's so much, I don't even know how to talk to gaslighting in the way that I've seen it play out within the spiritual circles. Just going, wait, that doesn't make sense. Like it never sat right with me. Like the mm-hmm. whole, you create your own reality. That I was one of those things that I was just like, I can't get on board with this. Like I just, it was never resonant, yeah. you know? You know, the, the time that it really sunk in for me was, you know, I gave birth about four years ago, my sweet baby daughter, and my birth was really traumatic. And the natural birthing community just had this thing where like, you can manifest your perfect birth. Like you can make it happen exactly the way that you want to. And like, if you have any bad thoughts about it, if you ever like worry about your birth, you're going to end up having a really bad birth. So you have to think perfectly, like positive thinking. You have to just keep like this high frequency and then everything's going to be amazing. No pain, no interventions. It's going to be like the way it should be. Um, 
And it's, it's really fucked up because I did have a really traumatic birth. And, you know, if there hadn't been interventions, my daughter would have died. And it took me months to, to really process that it wasn't my fault. You know, it, it had nothing to do with my mindset. It was just, you know, sometimes fucked up things happen and it's, it's not your fault. You didn't manifest your birth, whether it went well or didn't, you didn't manifest it. And if, if somebody has trauma happen, it's not their fault because they didn't just believe in rainbows and unicorns, like trauma happens to people, you know, it's, it's how you deal with it that makes you spiritual or, or unconscious, et cetera. But yeah, that was my first sort of experience with the, the victim blaming like, okay, I did not manifest that. (laughs) You know, talking about, you know, kind of sharing your, that, that experience with your birth. I see that so much in that community. I used to work as a labor and delivery nurse and Mm -hmm. that was always really hard for me because I felt like I would see mothers come in and there was all of, they would always be so worried about, you know, like, well, I want it to be this in this way. And I can't tell you how many times I would have to tell moms, like, you've done nothing wrong. Like, this is just, this is just how it is sometimes. And it's just, this is the first lesson. I feel like when I haven't had any children, I've been personally traumatized from like experiencing a lot of the the (laughs) terrible stuff. We we're high risk. We see all the, the, the sickest of the sick moms. So, you know, you had to be prepared for everything, very high risk. So I've seen a lot of really, really hard stuff. And I feel like when you're in that kind of environment, you have to, I found myself constantly having to reassure these moms, like, this is the first lesson in, in parenting where like, you are no longer in control. This is like the yeah. lesson in surrender. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really it's is. It's like that, that truth of life just hit me so hard because all the books had told me that I was the one that was going to decide how it went. (laughs) (laughs) And because for the people that wrote the book, it happened to go that way, you know? So people, it's like a confirmation bias. People take their experience or the things that fit into their hypothesis and then they put it out there like it's true. You know, I was able to manifest a million dollars on the specific day because of course I can, because I'm the magician of the universe. Like, yes, we do have a lot of power, but not everyone's going to have those same sort of um, opportunities. Yeah. And I think that comes back to that place of being flexible. Like when you're, when you're working with discernment and figuring out what is your truth, like in this moment and learning what's true for you and getting solid in what your belief system is. I think that it's really important to recognize that I truly don't believe that there's an absolute truth for anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one has the answers. No one has absolute truth, including myself. Even my truths are not absolute because I'm constantly in flux. I'm never stagnant. So I think to recognize that, that whatever is true for you today allow yourself the grace to know that that may not be true for you tomorrow. It may not be mm-hmm. true for you a month mm-hmm. from now. And give yourself that kind of grace. And I think that that's where it gets really hard because especially when you've been kind of indoctrinated with these sort of ways of believing or thinking, because once you start to shift and change and you find, you know what, that doesn't really resonate anymore. There's that level of, you start to blame yourself. You start to kind of, you know, get to that place of like, how did I not see that? And 
And, oh man, but maybe I'm going to question that because that was true for me. And then there's this sort of like back and forth inside of you that you're wrestling with. And I think that that's, that's, that's why we have to be gracious with ourselves. Right. Exactly. Like it's, it's not going to be easy if you continue to evolve and you continue to be on your path. It's not going to be easy. I like to say there's, you know, there's a honeymoon phase at the beginning where it's like love and light and you discover meditation or you find breath work. You're like, this is the best. This is so amazing. Everything's always going to feel magical. And then you do have to sort of adjust your compass and question and, and really find yourself. And there's going to be dark nights of the soul. But if you don't take those opportunities to go deeper and to initiate yourself into your next level, you're just going to get stuck, you know, like some curmudgeon that's like bent over themselves and always saying the same thing, you know, like evolve and read books, talk to people. It's so important to stay inquisitive and curious. Yeah. I think that that's, that's such a huge message right now is just be curious and be discerning. And there's this Ram Dass quote I came across the other day and it hit me so hard because it said, listen to your inner voice, but also be honest with yourself and recognize mm-hmm. that it recognize that. You, and it was basically that where, you know, perhaps what your inner voice told you last year is different from what your inner voice is telling you now. Mm-hmm. And be yep. honest with yourself about that. Cause it's a constant reawakening. There's it's, you don't just awaken once you, 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 you awaken and you reawaken and you have birth after rebirth. It's a cycle. It's cyclical. It never ends. Yeah. <laughs> and part of that is death. Like if you're not going through some symbolic deaths, what are you doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So like one thing that I learned from my mentor, which has changed my life exponentially, actually, because I carry it over into like every aspect of my life now is, um, so spirit communication, when it happens is often very subtle and Mm -hmm. he describes it as this quasi mystical experience for the medium and mystical experiences cannot be replicated and they cannot be like Mm -hmm. duplicated. So they're very much like they're, they're there and then they're not. And the way that he explained it was basically, you have an experience, whatever that is, the spirit communicates with you and then you have to articulate it, but you can't hold on to it. Like if you get a picture in your mind, you can't hold on to that picture. It's not enough to hold on to that picture that they, that you've become aware of and, and try to feel into it. It's actually more like, I've got this picture in my mind. What did it make me feel right now? What's the experience I'm having? Articulate that. Don't hang on to it. If it's wrong, ask for a new experience. So I've really mm-hmm. kind of been living with that cycle of like, let go of the experience and don't hold on to it. Try to just allow something new to flow each day. And I've, I've found that that's played out into my life where I don't get too hung up on things. I try not to get too hung up on things, but. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it goes back to what a medium is. We're basically just a vessel, right? It's like, you're trying to pass something forward um, to the person who's sitting with you with the least bias possible. And this is where I think a lot of people do get tripped up where they have their own biases that they haven't examined or recognized. And then they're, you know, the messages come with a lot of bias. So I feel like a huge part of my spiritual path is noticing, you know, where am I biased? And we talked about the whole um, cultural appropriation thing and white supremacy, like letting go of beliefs that are just sort of taken and don't really belong in mediumship you know, our job is basically just to be the translator that sits at the table, 
between the living and the dead. Like that's it, you know? And if you're bringing in anything of your own personal belief system into it, and again, like just sort of calcifies the, that like hot white light of the message, which can make it mean less for the person that's sitting. Yeah, I always try to not, I do my best to not color the information as mm-hmm. much as I can because, it, and it's hard. I think it's really, that's part of the development process. I think a lot of the time is allowing yourself to, like you said, examine those biases within you and say, is that something that I, that, that spirit's really giving me? Or is that just like a learned belief that I'm carrying right. mm-hmm. over? And exactly. I had to, I had to kind of unlearn some of that in the beginning of my mediumship journey and kind of let go of some of those things before I carried them over into my mediumship. Yeah. And it's, it can be really tough because, you know, especially as a woman in our culture, it's often difficult to be really direct, but mediumship requires that you simply give whatever the the thing is really directly without putting your own sort of like, oh, well, it could mean this, or like, I'm sort of feeling like maybe just making it more like apologetic or trying to make it make sense. It's like, no, just like give it directly. It it always works out better that way. Yeah. So yeah, it's just been, it's been a wild journey this past year. I feel like it's just, I'm kind of seeing how things spread on these social media platforms and how people can get kind of like caught up in the hype around something. And then the next thing you know, they've gone down this sort of rabbit hole. I feel like this is a problem I had today too, because I felt like if I were to sit here and I were to try and fact check everything that I come across, that's potentially like Q related. The only places I could find that were fact checking were, you know, mainstream media news sources. And I Mm -hmm. felt like that was part of the problem that that got us into this mess in the first place is that people don't necessarily know how to fact check information um, and don't know the difference between a credible source and a non-credible source because Mm -hmm. everything's been so skewed recently. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem because, you know, if, if you sow the distrust in the mainstream media, which again is completely valid, then you're basically saying that any YouTube video is as credible as any journalist, you know, and and then you have these poorly produced YouTube videos with like cheesy music that are saying some like, you know, already debunked nonsense from again, like this Russian fraudulent criminal psychic, for instance, (laughs) like obviously wrong. But if you sort of say like, well, that's on an equal playing field as the information you're getting from a journalist that's working for, you know, a questionable um, a system like the mainstream media, I, I think we do run into problems of like, well, if nothing is true, then anything can be true. And it, it just takes more sort of research to disentangle all that stuff. And again, discernment, just sort of trusting everybody to have enough discernment to watch a YouTube video and then like plug the names of the sources into whatever search engine they trust and then read, you know, an actual sort of article about it or read a summary or um, read a scientific study, like even know how to read an abstract. That's not easy. Um, it's, it's just a lot of work, you know? So maybe the, the pressure should be on the influencers who are disseminating the information. It's like, if you're, if you're going to believe something, that's fine. 
But if you're going to share a belief, you better look into it, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's, oh man, the influencer culture has been so, it's been so hard to watch because I have felt like there has been dissemination of so much information from influencers. And just because someone is influence is an influencer mm-hmm. doesn't make them fit to lead. It doesn't make them right. a leader, but they do have a responsibility. And I think that people who have a platform, even if you have a small platform, you know, you have a responsibility to stand behind what you post and there's accountability there mm-hmm. because right, exactly. yeah. In our culture, we associate influence with leadership. I mean, we just do. We it's it's sort of ingrained into the social media culture now, unfortunately. Right. Yep. This is where we're at. <laughs> our influencers are our thought leaders, and you know, you you do have a certain amount of responsibility if you get to say like over a hundred k followers. Like people are going to be listening to what you think, and they're going to be following what you believe. And so, you know, it's, it's really important once you get to that stage to be really um, discerning, inquisitive, skeptical, take all different voices into consideration. That's another thing with the, the cultural appropriation conversation was that it was getting very monolithic of like, oh, all South Asians feel exactly the same way about, you know, yoga in the West, like that's simply not true. There's so many different conversations happening. And so treating it as though, you know, one influencer gets to have all the say and like just hold the mic is actually, it's not a conversation. So I am grateful for Clubhouse and things like that. Although since I'm not an iPhone user, I haven't gotten the opportunity to to be in a conversation like that. But I think it's, it will be maybe more important in the future to have more community circles around, you know, let's, let's talk about this together and talk about a way forward together. Yeah. Cause I think the more you can actually engage with someone, um, it makes such a huge difference. I found that on the video that I had that, that I had all those comments, I woke up in the morning and like I said, there was like 200 something comments on it. And when I talked about the 5d Ascension theory, um, I found myself feeling like I had to engage specifically more with the people who were disagreeing and were calling, were saying the, were against. And it was more like, I'm not here to call you out. I'm here to address this so we can have a discussion. So we can have an open dialogue about this um, because I think it's important to explore the roots of where this is coming from and to not, you know, use this as a means to just ignore the bigger problems in the world mm-hmm. and yeah, understand I feel like that. The problem, yeah. Like the, the issue with some of these belief systems like 5d is that built into the belief system is the idea that if you question it, you're just not ready for it. The sense of like, well, everyone who has evolved enough is going to understand it. And then people feel this pressure to just like accept it and not think about it because they want to be special too, you know? And, and then they feel attacked if somebody else questions it. Cause it's like, oh, well, you're just in the 3D if you don't believe everything that you're being told about 5D. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Like taking it without question at face value because otherwise you're just not good enough. You're not special enough. And mm-hmm. that just digs in right into the spiritual ego. <laughs> like it really yeah. does yeah. if we're not- if we're not, if we're not paying attention and it's so, 
scary. And I felt like what happened, what really kind of made me sad was that when I was sort of having these conversations, I would have this really long thread going (laughs) with someone and then it would get to the end and it was just like, then they would just block me. So the whole conversation that we were having (laughs) was completely gone from the comments. And I'm like, that's frustrating in and of itself because I really wanted to leave that there because I want people to see the rationale, the the logical sort of thinking behind what it is that I'm standing behind and what it is I'm saying. Um, Not to change anyone's ideas, but maybe just to get them to think a little bit more maybe let's think a little differently see from a different perspective yeah well I think that's the beautiful thing about social media is that you're not always going to get through to somebody but at least you planted a little seed and then if they see all these other seeds being planted eventually something will sprout and they'll say like wait a minute I am starting to think that it's time for me to re-examine this thing that I took for granted so I think you know, anything you do to disrupt is good work. Any, that's what I'm feeling into this year. 2021 is like disruptor energy, sacred rebel, the outlaw. We're shaking things up. Even if it's not one in, you know, the conversation, the, like you don't win the battle, but you win the war over time of like, we're, we're going to keep fighting for truth and for inquiry. Yeah. And it's, it's so, so important this year. 2020 was the year of clear seeing. 2021 is the year of discernment and disruption. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're in our, we're, we're both in it. it. No I, more I, lukewarm truths. We are saying the whole truth this year. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's what people are craving too, is I feel like there has to be a return to grounded, rooted spirituality when it comes to spiritual circles in the spiritual community because I do feel like we are polarized we are as a community right now I feel and maybe I just feel that because I'm we're in that place of like feeling from this from our perspective I don't know maybe it's I'm just I'm just really drenched in the 3d but (laughs) 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 but I have seen that I've seen the digression I've seen it in the last couple probably this last week I started noticing sort of these influencers who are saying these outlandish things about the storm is still coming and we have to get ready. And now all of a sudden they're saying, oh, well, we're in 3D. And the beauty of 3D is that we can be here for a long period of time to really work. And I'm like, okay, really? Yeah, you just changed the tune. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting to have to see people course. And like I said, I don't even know that they realized that they were there. I don't know that they were even recognizing no. that they were entrenched in it. And now it's like they have to backstep. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about social media too, because, you know, these things are all sort of recorded and you can go back and watch somebody's journey. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. I feel like in the past with millenarian movements, you could sort of hide behind like, well, that's not really what I meant when I say, when I said the world was going to end on December 21st for half the population. Um, yeah, I didn't mean that at all. Like you can actually go back and see those videos and those TikToks. Like people were saying some really messed up, um, apocalyptic shit about December 21st. Yeah, it was, I was very much in a place of not staying, trying to stay off social media for a bit around that time, because it was just 
you know, and I think that that's the easy thing to do is sometimes to just pull away. And I think sometimes it's also important to recognize for your own mental well-being, you know, you don't have to speak out against these things publicly, you know, we are choosing to do that because we feel like it's, you know, we're feeling called to do that, but not everybody has to do that. And I think that that's the other thing to recognize just because someone isn't speaking out against it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not, they don't, you know what I'm, you know, I'm trying to say like, they don't necessarily Mm -hmm. subscribe to the other belief system. I think that's the other problem we're seeing right now is the call out culture, the cancel culture. And you didn't. Yeah, that's true too. And it's a difficult thing because, you know, for me, I I want us to have a call in culture where we, instead of saying like, you're bad and you're wrong, we say, you know, I'm going to loop you into this conversation. I would, I would love to know how you feel um, and I would love to know how you feel about my thoughts and have a conversation and get somewhere with it where it's not, you know, feeling attacked or feeling defensive and then resorting to bullying and ad hominem attacks. It would be better to sort of just all be able to come together and discuss where we're coming from and find some common ground. But yeah, it is really tough because, you know, I have people in my DMs all the time who say, you know, thank you for speaking out about this, or, you know, I went through this and I finally deprogrammed myself, or, you know, my, my dad's still into this, he's deep into QAnon and and it's ruined our relationship. So people are hungry for vocal people. People are hungry for, you know, people that are speaking up about this. So if anyone listening or you know, just, just to reinforce it for ourselves, like people do need to hear this stuff because it means the world to them. It's, it's caused real life suffering for people. Yeah, it absolutely has. It's ripped people apart. It's ripped families apart. It's just been so heartbreaking to watch and to see the relationships sort of crumble under that kind of pressure and feel like you are the, you do start to question, am I, what's wrong with me? you question yourself. Like, what am I doing wrong? What maybe I am not seeing. And then you try the scary thing is, is like, I would never, I would hate for someone to question and say there was something wrong with them. And then to maybe sort of say, well, I want to understand where you're coming from and then start to do the digging and perhaps get looped into it as well. You know, almost Mm -hmm. on the premise of like, maybe I'll get my family back if I just see from their perspective. And if they're vulnerable or anything like that too, that's the other. So it's like two sides of the coin, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I just always come back to that paradox of tolerance. Like you just can't tolerate intolerant attitudes. It's just, that's not how we create a tolerant society. Yeah. Mm. Good talk. I know (laughs) this was amazing. I'm so glad that we actually got to do this. So Hope, um, thank you so much for joining me today. And can you just tell everyone where they can find you um, and how they can get in contact with you? Thank you. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram, on TikTok. It's Hope Medium. And you can find me at hopemagic.com, again, spelled with a K. I would love to communicate with anyone that's been listening, anyone that wants to further the conversation. And I'm so grateful to you for for hosting me. It's been such a wonderful pleasure to talk in more depth about these topics that have been on our hearts lately. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so grateful for you being an absolute, just thank you so much for stepping up to the plate and speaking out in such a 
beautiful way. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just so grateful to to see to see you have met you and to have found your voice within the community. And I can't wait to collaborate further. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> so much more to come. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> so-